Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Regarding ID podcast. I'm Gina Jordan. How can biometrics and technology combine to help boost security at border agencies? That's one of the considerations at next month's Border Pole International Security Meeting. World experts will gather in Washington, D.C. to discuss ways to curtail terrorist travel. Border security consultant Tony Smith is one of the scheduled speakers. Smith retired two years ago as director general of the U.K. Border Force with more than 40 years of service in the U.K. Home Office. He's now managing director of Fortinus Limited, a company that advises countries on various security applications and informs supply-side clients about products that could be adapted or created to support global security. Smith is also international liaison director at Border Pole. Border Pole is an international organization. It's uh, genuinely global. It's actually a not-for-profit organization based in Ottawa in Canada. And um, we have a number of uh, directors who are all um, formerly very well experienced and senior people who worked in the world of of borders. And uh, we come together regularly to discuss global challenges with our various member states. And we have a number of countries who are members of uh, the organization. And, um, you know, the aim is really to ask uh, uh, countries to uh, work together and to support one another collaboratively to to deal with common threats such as, you know, international organized crime and uh, international terrorism. All countries have access to Border Pole, whose mission includes the pursuit of safe and secure international travel across air, land, and sea. At the Border Pole America's Terrorist Travel Conference next month, members will discuss a common theme that's emerged recently around the movement of terrorists across borders. We all have people, uh, unfortunately, in our midst who are traveling across borders to uh, join terrorist organizations. And, of course, the fear is that then, you know, they will come back and um, perpetrate a terrorist attack. So the dilemma is really how can you know countries share uh, intelligence and information and best practice to stop people traveling across borders with the attention of either joining a terrorist group or training for terrorist activity because you know we spend a lot of time researching the subject and if you look at the reports of major terrorist incidents in the past then clearly you know the the capacity to cross borders is something that's very attractive to the terrorist and in order to do that they need travel documents and they need authorities to travel etc and that's where really we we ought to be um, working together i think to try to uh, you know stamp out this common threat and so the aim of the DC conference will be to bring together you know, people from different parts of the world to share experiences and intelligence on how we might tackle this threat in the future. What the experts know about terrorist travel is that it's largely about documentation. More specifically, it's about the document issuance process, because the bad guys are often able to cross borders with their own legal papers, not forgeries. Most of the people that are traveling to join the Islamic State in uh, Syria are actually traveling on fully biometric passports, KO standard passports issued by our own governments. You know, we do have uh, technology now available to identify people flying around the world. We have intelligence systems, profiling and targeting systems, and we actually issued the documents to these people in the first place. So if you add all of that together, then, you know, you would think that if countries are able to share intelligence and data on this sort of movement, that we ought to be able to stop them. The difficulty we have is that uh, many countries 
including the UK, don't actually have what we would term physical exit checks. So passengers aren't routinely stopped and questioned leaving the country like they are coming into the country. And that will be quite difficult to implement that. So if we're not going to do that, then how do we you know, make best use of, of the passenger data of uh, technology and of systems and intelligence to enable us to identify people early on in the process who we think are are going to be crossing borders, um, you know, for for terrorist purposes and and prevent that from happening. You know, more and more people are now travelling on biometrically enabled passports. Um, You know, the passport chip technology is going to be capable in future, for example, of, of also storing electronic stamps. And if you learn the lessons of history, I mean, one of the things that we do encourage border officers to do is look at travel history, um, you know, to see where people have been, because there are patterns of travel which can can give you suspicions that uh, somebody's up to no good. And, uh, you know, can you imagine in a world where actually, you know, we don't have to rely on some border guard somewhere having ink on his pad and actually stamping a passport? which is becoming more and more infrequent, but actually we had an electronic system which enabled us to track people in and out of different countries, so we would know uh, when they arrived at our border, where they'd been and how long they'd been there. And that would enable us to significantly reduce risk. So it's those sorts of things where, you know, we need to be cognizant in government of the significant developments that are being made in technology and use our very best efforts to make sure that we make use of, uh, of biometric technology and other forms of technology to uh, enable us to do our jobs better, I guess. Can biometrics and technology combine to help border agencies counter criminals entering with either fake or real documents? One big step will be in place next month, when all countries will have machine-readable passports, and more countries are producing biometrically-enabled passports with chips in the cover that can store digital facial images or finger scans. There's been huge advances in the uh, use of facial recognition technology and face in the crowd technology where many of us or many of our agencies have uh, what we would call photographic uh, watch lists of, of criminals and terrorists that aren't really being used at the border at the moment because most of our watch list systems are primarily name-based. Um, that, um, you know, whether we can make better use of those images and, you know, have have uh, more photographic use at uh, things like technology like e-gates and kiosks and also in CCTV systems that operate in secure zones of airports to try and identify people as they move through the traveller continuum rather than simply relying upon the standard nominal watch list that we've been using so far. We have to recognise that uh, we working in the world of borders can't do this on our own. Um, you know, we can set up um, systems where we capture passenger data, intervene and check passports, and check documents, etc. But I mean, the source of the problem is in the communities. And it's really important that um, people who are in the communities provide sufficient information and intelligence. They will be the ones that will be the first ones to know whether somebody in that community is has become is becoming radicalized we've had cases here in the uk for example where people in the same classroom have said well i i knew that she was on the internet and i knew that she was thinking of going to syria and even parents you know of teenage children have, have, have had suspicions but they've been reluctant to come forward and then suddenly find themselves horrified when you know, this person has actually not just left the home, but also left the country and want want to know, well, how was it that they managed to leave the country? Now, if you don't tell us in the first place that this is a a risk or a threat, it's very difficult for us alone, acting alone, to be able to do anything. So I think, you know, the challenge really for society, and it's not just in the UK or the US, but all over, 
is to encourage communities to uh, report instances like this where they believe people are being radicalized. And then the challenge for governments really is to ensure that we're properly joined up because that's always been our problem is we're not always properly joined up. You know, we have a range of different agencies at play in this, but to make sure that where actionable intelligence is received from the community, that is transferred very quickly to the people in the relevant agencies who are able to act and do something about it. And I think if you can get that piece right, then we've got, um, you know, more chance of, uh, of stopping people than we are at the current position. Smith was head of ports and borders in Canada during 9-11. Nearly four years later, he was head of UK borders during the July 7th attack on the London Underground. That was the first instance of homegrown uh, terrorism. Then he was called upon to lead border security for the London 2012 Olympics, where the terrorist threat level was deemed to be severe, and that threat hasn't changed. Now here we're at the same level. A terrorist attack is highly likely and some people in Europe would say, well, it's imminent and you only have to look at the events of recent weeks, you know, with these lone wolf attacks with, um, you know, terrorists, um, probably Islamic State sympathizers mainly, but sometimes pockets of Al-Qaeda where you have individuals now who are being indoctrinated to go into public places on what we call lone wolf attacks with firearms just to open up. And, you know, sadly, we lost a lot of British tourists in Tunisia recently. You can look at Charlie Hebdo in Paris and even just last week, you know, but for the thanks to a couple of your brilliant uh, ex-servicemen who were able to jump a passenger on a train in Belgium and stop him, we would have had a massacre on a train traveling, you know, between Holland and France through Belgium. So, so I would say that there is a, a huge worry now uh, from people. People are being discouraged from living normal lives. People are worried about traveling to normal holiday destinations for fear of somebody pitching up there with a firearm and suddenly opening up. But those of us that um, have the opportunity, those of us that, that have the experiences and, you know, have worked in this business and know this business well, I think we've got a duty upon us to try to bring our best minds together to see what we can do to mitigate the threats. Smith says attitudes vary across the world when it comes to security. He says there's a fundamental difference in philosophy in how personal data may be used in order to mitigate threats. Now, obviously, from someone coming from the business, I'm more to the extreme of I would quite like to know quite a lot about people traveling, please. But on the other hand, there are other schools of thought in places like Brussels and Germany that personal information is really very, very important to people and it's not okay to have your personal details sort of banded around all over the place and being analyzed and scrutinized by government and so you do have these different cultural approaches there are differences in terms of uh, how different countries tackle this and I, I think that's the beauty of border poll is it does bring together those different perspectives and the different ways in which the threats are being managed and uh, so I think that's the real value of this. The Border Poll Americas Conference is September 9th through 11th. Tony Smith and other security experts will discuss the current threat environment, information sharing among Border Patrol agencies, and the creation of minimum standards worldwide for performance of border personnel. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Regarding ID podcast. <laughs>